So before we begin today's podcast, I want to take a moment to reiterate SEM's position on recent events that have left many of us heartbroken and angry. Black Lives Matter. And it shouldn't be a controversial statement. And that is why we must shout it loud with anger, determination, and with hope. The need for the Black Lives Matter movement extends far beyond the brutal killings of George Floyd on the 25th of May in Minneapolis, Minnesota. As the student Christian movement in Britain, we recognize and resent the role of British colonialism in the global proliferation of white supremacy and racism. We also condemn the, racist, uh, the racism and police violence and the awful things that they achieve in their combination. Our Christian faith in all of its shapes and expressions requires us to dismantle the systems which maintain the systematic oppression of marginalized people. And if we are to bring the kingdom of God on earth, as is our mission, we must do so as Jesus did. We must offer out the hand of compassion to the vulnerable whilst in holy protest, flipping the tables of a society which allows cruel injustice to thrive. As a movement, we stand with our black members at this time and we are reminded of the consequences of racism, consequences of which people of color are always aware and of which as a majority of a white society, we are often all too ignorant. We pray for change, we pray for justice, and we maintain that from the heavens to the earth and for all time, Black Lives Matter. Welcome to the Student Christian Movement podcast. We're reflecting on justice, identity, and discipleship, and we've been doing that since 1889. We encourage you to pop the kettle on and gather around as we gather uh, to explore how we put our faith into action. My name is Rob, and today I am delighted to announce that we are joined by a master's student, the Ordinand of Kramer Hall, St. John's College in Durham, and the 2020 Theology Slam finalist. Uh, welcome, Augustine Tanner. In. Hello, Rob. How are you doing, Augustine? Um, today has been an uh, interesting day of um, mixed emotions, mm -hmm. um, uh, of emotions of joy that people are finally hearing um our our pain of difficulty of seeing continued videos that can be quite traumatic yeah and also solidarity with brothers and sisters black and brown who um experience racism every day one thing that one thing is really also fascinating too is I, I actually posted on my Twitter page um, uh, about a week ago. I said if you are if you are tired of seeing posts about racism, think about experiencing it. So I think it's been really um, fascinating as an African American man um, that grew up in Chicago, but lives in the U UK. And seeing the responses from UK institutions and UK church about um, the systematic oppression of black and brown people in the US, but also as well reflecting themselves in their own context in the UK. So it's been quite a mixed bag for me, uh, without a doubt. Um, but I'll probably say the heaviest is pain. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's it's. It, I feel like it's very much like 
in a sense of, um, you know, you hear these stories of, you know, children or someone being like, I'm in pain, I hurt. And then, you know, sometimes doctors go, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with you. And you're like, no, can we go see another doctor? And they're like, no, they're like, literally, there's nothing wrong with you. It's all psychological in your head, um, which is called gaslighting. <laughs> but, um, but it's all psychological. It's not. And then they found out, actually, they had this rare kind of cancer or mm-hmm. some kind of disease. And you're like, I've, I've been telling you. Um, and I've been on this area of race and theology um, basically since I was um, 19, 20. And um, it's been um, really, really quite surprising. Um, and um, at my undergrad in the U.S., sorry, this is going all over the place. Um, at my undergrad in the U.S., um, well, I was a part of this Black student group. And um, it was a Christian university. And, and our goal was really um, to make sure that people understood the systematic oppression of Black people. Um, and we were rejected over and over and over. Most of the white students were like, oh, gosh, here it comes again. Here comes again. Um, and we lived in Chicago, the most segregated city in, um, in America. And actually, I posted on, my, on the president now 10 years ago. And I said, do you remember when we spent so much time, energy, when we we're doing our courses, have all of us had part-time jobs to try to educate people about this? And everyone just ignored us mm. for years. Mm. And now they want to hear us. <laughs> sure. Now they want to hear us. And I think that's, I think that's been quite hard. But yeah. Yeah, I think Augustine got in touch with us um, you know, you've been in and around SEM circles in terms of working in Durham with yeah. some of our students and doing some stuff. And um, you got in touch with us after we recorded the last podcast and said, yeah, mm. I'd love to come on. And we were like, hey, we'd love to have you on. Of course we would. Um, that was before everything really kicked off. The um, Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we're getting to this point. And so I want everyone to know that I'm not we're not bringing people on just for like tokenism or anything like this. Like we we but at this moment. It is so important for me to listen to to you, Mm. Augustine, and your story and all of your thoughts and feelings and fears. And so that's what we're going to do today with the podcast. And so thank you already for going in with that. Like you've already shared so much of, you know, that's what rocks me to my core, that Mm. this isn't a new thing. This isn't like a sudden. I think all that's happened is that there has been a perfect mix of situations that has sparked a huge almost revolution um Mm. that has been bubbling on the surface for years and years um and i'm thankful that it's happened but i am shocked and appalled that it hasn't happened a hundred years earlier yeah in in all honesty um so augustine like you've, you've given us a little bit of a background chicago um, and you're now in Durham, but yeah, really give us give us your details. What's who are you? What do you do? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm single. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. So yeah, um, yeah. I so I grew up in Chicago. I'm from um, an Afro Caribbean, obviously background African American, and um, I grew up Jehovah's Witness. So I didn't grow up in a Christian faith um, at all, um, uh, and um, became a Christian at 14 through the Assemblies of God. So um, Pentecostal denomination. Um, and then I went to university and while I was in the university, I, um, um, really started reading theology and reading widely and, 
um, asking questions about faith and justice and stuff. And um, when I was first in universities, when Invisible Children um, was around, I don't know if you remember that, yeah, Rob, yeah. but um, for us old people. Um, so, um, yeah, and that was kind of like the first thing of justice. Um, because it's interesting, because I became a Christian within a white majority context, um, my, like, I don't, uh, the black church experience in this, in the States is not something that um, I've really experienced because I became a Christian within a white majority church. Sure. Um, so justice was always like, oh, it's the gospel, it's preaching the gospel, salvation, and then justice is after. Um, and then um, I went to university. Um, and got into justice and saw like all this stuff. I was like, wait a minute, this is a gospel issue. <laughs> um, and the only, only people that said it wasn't a gospel issue was people who were um, who were privileged. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was and that's when I really got into a lot of like a really a lot of things like that. Um, um, but yeah, but yeah, I became a Christian at fourteen, um, and then really felt very much called to um to be ordained in the church of england which is right um i went to england for um a three-week like ministry trip mm-hmm. in liverpool um and um and i fell in love with the city i fell in love with england and um i became an episcopalian in the states um and then i've been living in england for seven years now mm-hmm. so um it's been uh an amazing experience from liverpool to east london essex to Dorset, to now the northeast of England and Durham. So, mm. wow, what a journey! What an adventure! <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah, I think definitely hear that white majority churches. Um, they were talking about it in um, a seminar that I was watching with Ben Lindsay. Um, oh yes, yeah. Um, let's talk about race, and they said that the white church is particularly good at social welfare, but not very good at social justice. I've mm. never heard that it like talked about in that way before, mm. <clears throat> and that blew me away and made me recognize a whole lot in myself <laughs> um, mm. and and recognizing that more and more um so i know you touched on it a little bit augustine but i would love to hear what the last week has been like for you mm. um, <laughs> we spoke just before the podcast that you're feeling extremely popular at the moment um but due to messages yeah, but, still, but, but still single um. <laughs> <laughs> um i'm sure it'll yeah this it'll be good for your profile's always good <laughs> exactly. um but yeah i'd love to just hear sort of what the last i mean we're recording this on friday the um the, the 5th of june um so it's been sort of roughly 10 days since since george floyd's murder um mm. a bit longer than that um and you've seen obviously being from america you're going to be feeling the heartbreak of america and mm. living in the uk you're going to be seeing the reaction what's been in your head yeah so I, one, one thing i wanted to say as well that you said is you know before you know um one thing i really appreciate about stm and doing this podcast as well is that um like you said this isn't just tokyo tokenism um this was planned before you know this is like a global thing um, which is which I really appreciate, um, and which also because of this, I have been inundated with. Can you write this? Can you go on this? Can you go on this? And actually, a lot of stuff I have said no mm-hmm. to, um, but I said yes to SCM because I believe in the mission of um, SCM, and um, I know this is not just a oh, like, let's get on the bandwagon kind of thing. This is popular. This is hot. 
right now. Yeah, um, so it was just sexy theology, what they used to say in the early 2010s. Um, and, and so that's, that's all I just wanted to say, I really appreciate that. But in the last week, I think for me, I think for a lot of black people um, in, the, in, in the States, in the UK, and I, and I wanna say that there is, uh, there's something about blackness that transcends national boundaries. Um, so though British black people and American black people are different, we, we relate to each other mm. and we can empath empathize and, um, a lot more with each other than people necessarily can understand. Um, I was talking to a Frenchman and he understood that as well. He's like this last week, he's like, I, I, like, obviously I'm not American. I never lived in America, but I feel it. I get, I get it. It's, you know, you, our people break, um, which I often say that people, with Christian blood should do the same thing, but we yeah. don't often do that. Um, mm. I would say that I've been shocked that people are shocked. <laughs> I would say um, George um, was not a particularly special person in the black community in the sense that um, he is one another person who did it, but this happens all the time. Yeah, um, And the black community have had protests and stuff like that. But I think it's only so much that you can protest and not be heard. So I don't advocate for violence um, at all. Um, but I do believe that the riot, the riot is the voice of the unheard. Hmm. Um, I really truly believe that the riot is the voice of the unheard. So, you know, seeing people, you know, destroy buildings and stuff like that is not, um, is not good, but, um, I, not to make the analogy of black people being children, but when you have a child and they're trying to get your attention and you like, you're pulling on your clothes to get your attention when you're working on a computer or something like that. And you just don't listen. And then they finally scream as loud as they can. And now you're like, I'm closing my laptop. I'm going to listen to you. Mm. And I think that's what it is. Black people are screaming, like, please listen to us. Um, don't say, Oh, you're just being dramatic. Oh, you have the same rights, but it's like, People are dying. Um, George, um, Amal, Brianna, all these names. These people don't look dissimilar to me. Mm. Um, and what's scary is, you know, we people have been saying for weeks, COVID nineteen disproportionately kills Black and African minority people, but no one cared. <laughs> like no one cared, um, and. Um, yeah, and it's really, it's really, it's really hard, um, really hard to see that. Um, and I've been, in, I've been in pain, and um, I mean, I've been writing this piece. Uh, really nice. Uh, my friend is a vicar. His church asked me, commissioned me to write something. And um, um, and one thing that's really been hitting me is I called it white um, naivety. Mm -hmm. And like with black export um, exploitation, and I I say that because lots of people have called call it called me and talked to their black and brown friends and say, I'm shocked, I can't believe this happened, I'm so hurt, blah blah, and they turn the pain and suffering for themselves. Hmm. Um, and actually, what you should be doing is the same thing Jesus did with yeah with Mary with Lazarus dying, he sat there, actually stayed two extra days um, 
and wept. Hmm. He didn't say, oh, God, like, don't worry. God is sovereign. God is good. He didn't say those things. He just sat and listened and wept. Um, so to, to call and say, like, to kind of get your things out or some church leaders have been or Christians have tagged you this and this and this just so they would look more righteous and not um, non-racist is <laughs> actually exploiting black people for their pain mm. and is actually um, you're actually doing the opposite of what you are trying to do mm. um, and black trauma is real and it's a lot of this is a lot of emotional labor to deal with mm. um, and it's a uh, and it's it's hard so yeah yeah no I feel that um yeah I was really shocked at the response from some people and sometimes the really slow response and that there wasn't just an initial kickback of this is wrong it was there were so many butts that were, that were coming out and so mm. many like I was like you're <laughs> this is so hard for you to see because you've lived in a privileged society for years mm. like you're you're not hurting with people because you've you haven't ever had to worry you haven't ever felt hurt before and it really it's agonizing like these are our our brothers and sisters i mean i know you said like um as christians we should feel the pain of others mm. i think i am when i see the pain like the riots that happen, the protests that happen, they only happen because some because people feel very, very passionate about mm. a thing. And the amount of just the sheer body of people that are out there from all different walks of life joining together, like that speaks huge amounts to me. Because that's like look at all these people <laughs> they're coming together because they, they're starting to recognize stuff but then then we all but then i see all too many often people coming up with excuses of yeah but <laughs> and I, there's never a but to this there's never a, a, a you know a scene you're gaslighting black people and people yeah color, like and, and that's wrong <laughs> yeah. um, and there's, there's so many instances of this like uh, there's so many um areas of intersectionality where people are being hurt and <clears throat> i think we've got to be really careful because there's a lot of news out there at the moment and from there are so many news outlets especially in america reporting this and, and trump and all of that that's coming out and being like this is bad these people are thugs <laughs> i'm like mm. where's your humanity yeah. why are you sending out the military on your own people when they are hurting like mm. if, if you're the president of a country these are your children in a way these are the people that you swore to protect and you are not doing that and i, I think i think what i think one of the things that is really interesting is um it's uh you know it's i really i really hope um obviously i know it's COVID 19 i really hope mm. that our special relationship that we have apparently with the US and the UK that um, the government does say, Hey, you're, you're, you know, we're English speaking brothers. Yeah. Um, you, I think you may need to do something different. <laughs> um, yeah. <clears throat> and I think, um, 
when you talk about the protests, the one thing difficult is, you know, you know, obviously America loves, loves, loves our flag. We love our flag. We're ingrained to love our flag. And it's, you know, very interesting thing. So, um, and, um, I, uh, I have been shocked with how people have been so angry at like, you know, Colin Ka- Kaepernick and he basically is not a player anymore because of um, what happened to him just kneeling, just kneeling, like yeah. not sitting, just kneeling as, a, as, a, as an informal protest. Mm. But actually what I think that a lot of people, when they say, oh, you shouldn't be protesting and stuff like that, I think people are actually saying you should just shut up and take take oppression um <laughs> yeah because when people say oh this is that's not a good enough form of protest and we're like tell us what are we supposed to be doing what are we supposed to be doing because we get all this stuff and we learn about the civil rights movement as it's something that happened in the past which only happened during my mother's <laughs> like lifetime. yeah um and it's it's tough and i think more so as a christian um my grandparents, I, I love the Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart, mind, and soul. And I love the Holy Spirit's empowering um, grace and love and inspires us to do justice and transform nations and transform our own minds. Mm. I love that. And my grandparents were, you know, Baptist, Black Baptist Christians when I grew growing up. And they left the church and became Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm. And they left because of the hypocrisy of the church. <laughs> um, they couldn't live anymore. Mm. So therefore, I grew grew up in a time that didn't have Jesus Christ being my Lord, my Savior, my King of my life. It was a very different theology that personally I think is oppressive. Mm. Um, and I, and how I would have been able to grow up in this Christian family um, with this understanding and love for Jesus if it wasn't for historical past oppressions of black people because of the church. Mm. Um, and that's been really, you know, and I, and I'll be honest with you with all this stuff of, you know, with people saying, you know, changing their pro- profiles and stuff. And it's been really great. But my thing is the same. You have to ask the Christian. That's great. That you change your profile. You're doing advocacy stuff, but the gospel does not call us to just do words. Mm. The gospel calls us to be, people of deed as well yeah so if you're not writing to the um you know the mayor of minneapolis the police force of minneapolis or the president of the united states um or even your local mp to say okay what are you doing for black and ethnic minority people in our country it's great that you had a statement against the u.s but let's turn it back on ourselves if you're not actually physically doing something then and you're not hearing the pains of black people and actually doing something as a disciple of christ i have to say that I don't know if you're a disciple or you're just Judas <laughs> who just portrays your friend that says you are. And I know that's very provocative, um, but I do think so. I think disciples of Christ are called to something much higher and mm-hmm. it's hard just this self-sacrificial life that's following the way of Jesus each and every day, even when things are uncomfortable, even when, you know, calling out your grandmother, <laughs> calling out your grandfather and saying, Hey, you can't say that. Mm. Not you can't say that because it just it's not PC. But you can't say that because these people are made in the image of God and they're equal to every single one. Yeah. And that's the difference between being non-racist and anti-racist. Mm. Yeah. 
and mate like i'm happy to be pretty provocative like <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of the the world that scm exists is like it's this radical inclusion this radical approach to to mm. justice not just welfare but justice mm. um and you know uh, we're 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 talking about this as as team at the moment you know we are very aware very aware that we're pretty much a majority white organization mm. and and we're doing our best you know we've always tried to um, amplify the voices bring in people like Anthony Reddy to do liberation theology he's great he's my mentor he's wicked um we just want to try and bring in more and more voices because um we recognize that you know we started off as a mission organization yeah um you know it wasn't the same mission we didn't go out to convert we went out to actually like educate and uh, mm. to to um bring about just in those places so it's a slightly different mission organization but that's where we started and it was like a, the white savior complex almost um of look we're coming to bring information um often we would sit and, and learn and listen but you know this is our history this is something we've got to know and 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 do our best to bring in as many different people as we can because this we want to be representative of the body of christ we can't do that if we're missing an arm and a leg <laughs> and a head mm. <laughs> there's no way we can do that um so we're trying our best we're recognizing that we're not great um but we're going to do all that we can um we're going to encourage we're encouraging already all of our members to do all that they can to change something yeah uh, to fight for change um because all of us I recognize think, it's not good i think i think one of the you know you know i'm all i'm all about you know, do practical theology. You, you know, you did practical theology. I thought all about practical theology. I think it's, I love biblical studies. Don't get me wrong. I love systematics. Um, but I'm like, okay, so w- what now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm all about what now. Um, and I think one of the things that I've noticed, especially if you are on the more um, progressive liberal side of policy or, um, um, or theology, the one great thing you can do is you look at, not, not being tokenist, but looking at your friendship group. If your friendship group is everyone that looks like you, that's mm. a problem. Yeah. And I think for I think for a lot of more progressive Christians, especially, is a lot of Black and minority Christians tend to be a little bit more conservative. That is just that's just true. Um, so so it sometimes it can be can be hard, um, especially when it comes to inclusion type of theology of sexuality and things like that and gender. But I would say, say, I want to hear you. Mm. And I, and I, though I'm on the more evangelical spectrum of um, church stuff, um, I believe in very much the power of the Eucharist um, that brings us together and this feast, this Thanksgiving, Mm. and this agape meal as well. And I think at the table is where, you know, you're disarmed. Yeah. And I think, you know, Rob, you're saying, hey, Augustine, come to my come to my house, eat with my family, um, is one thing. It's another being like, can I come to your house and eat? And I know it's very un-British, very un-British to be like, <laughs> you're inviting yourself to someone's house. Um, but like being like, I would love to just listen huh. and learn. Not speak, but listen and learn. And I think that is something huge. Um, because I think that that puts the ball in their court, um, and it's not, I don't think it's a a white savior complex of like, oh, I want to feed you or something like that. It's very much, I want to listen to you. Mm. I want to hear you. 
um, I want to know. It's that same John, um, that John story from Jesus weeping with Mary hearing her. I mean, it's a strange story, isn't it? Jesus comes and he, and we all know that, you know, most of us who are Christians for a long time, we know that Jesus raises Lazarus, right? Mm. He raises Lazarus. Now, I'll tell you, Rob, if I, if you said, Augustine, I came to your house and you're like, my car broke down. And you are telling me how sad you are. I don't have enough money to buy a new car. And I, I, I can just, I, I ha- actually have a new car for you. Like, I actually have it in my, like, I have a car keys. It's parked outside in the drive. Um, I, I would not, I would not let you talk for two days. <laughs> Tell me how sad your car That's going to be interesting because currently my car is actually broken down because the battery's dead. More so yeah, so it's and, and, I, and it's interesting, but he just let her weep, and that's the thing. We just need to listen, and not necessarily about giving answers. And especially, I think, for people yeah. who identify as um, as male, um, a lot of men like to just give answers, like like <laughs> to like give answers, and it's actually just sitting there and listening, yeah. um, which is really important. Oh, amen. Serious, <laughs> so yeah, thank you. Um, now. This next bit that I'm going to talk about could be a tricky one because this is your real life um, and you've mm. spoken about it. Um, uh, it's, you posted it on Twitter, you posted it on Facebook. It was mentioned in the Church Times article. Um, and it was a comment that you, that you received as an email from, from a diocese that we're not going to talk about. But mm-hmm. uh, they turned you down for curacy. And the one reason that you were given was that it was uh, quote a white area, and they didn't think that you would feel very comfortable. Now, that's hella problematic for me, um, and it is hella problematic for you. Like, mm. um, there's there's a problem here. Um, I, I want to ask you first of all, um, how did it make you feel? And secondly, did they actually ask you how you felt about it at all? Like, what, what was the situation? Um, one thing I have to say is I think um, I'm in the process of actually writing a book right now. And um, the, um, um, the book um, is talking about how do we recover from pain and suffering inflicted by Christians in the church? And how do we still remain faithful to Christ in that? And I think that it's really important, really, really important that we have a theology, ecclesiology that separates Christ and the church. And when you merge the two, then your faith is destroyed. (laughs) I think Um, the wedding feast of the lamb that Revelation talks about is future. It's It's not consummated completely yet. We live in already not yet. That being said, and I, actually, I got that actually in um, in February, um, right before the lockdown. Mm. Um, actually, around my birthday, my thirtieth birthday, which is all another, another whole thing. And I, I, and I sent it to a couple people that I trust, with yeah. not, but not the edited version, obviously. <laughs> and um, and I said to different people from that I different trust people on both ends. Those, that's one thing I like to do is I like to have friends on wider ends and people who aren't christians say can you read this and can you use some exegesis cultural exegesis for me yeah um and um 
they all said the same thing. And it was really painful and really hurt. And the person basically responded and said, I'm really sorry you felt that way or you received it. Um, I wanted to be forgiving. I, I really tried. But again, I have a theology of forgiveness that I think is based in the Bible that says Christ forgives us when we are repentant. It's a repentant heart to forgive. And Christ does not call us to forgive anyone who doesn't repent. So therefore, I'm like, okay, I'm giving you a chance to repent. <laughs> mm. To not just say, this is really sorry, whatever, but whatever, but actually say, we're going to do X, Y, Z to, um, to not let this happen again. Mm. And basically, it was a very nice worded email of saying, this is what the diocese are already doing. We, we hope you are well. And this is from the Dawson Bishop. Mm. Um, my, uh, sorry, I put it on blast, but my college was not very helpful in it. I wouldn't even be angry with me. Mm. Um, like, this is not okay. They did speak to me, but it wasn't, it was very calm and collective and like, okay, that's interesting. And I'm like, do you realize how difficult that is to, you know, they didn't really get it. Um, I think now they're getting it. <laughs> now that everyone else is I hope so. like, Ooh, oh man, whatever. So, so, so Rob, to be honest, I, so I, I sat with it. I hmm. sat with that email in my inbox. I sat with it for months. And obviously, you know, back to the normal, the normal time that we had, you know, we, we just have to get things done. And I sat with it for months and I was like, actually, when the Church of England decided to say Black Lives Matter and all these bishops said that, um, and these are some of the same bishops that not, it wasn't, mo it wasn't like most of the denies of curacy wasn't based on race, obviously, mm. but it's like, we want to increase black and African minority voices and stuff like that. But then when I came to them and they're in a place that a lot of people wouldn't want to go, mm. um, like, can I do that? And they said, no, we don't have money for that. And I'm like, well, can you try to find money for that? Um, so, you know, it's, I'm like, so the whole diversity thing is really just talking words. It doesn't actually mean anything. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think so. It's been so it's been really, really hard. Um, it's been quite. Uh, I'm quite open, open person. Um, I'm quite emotional and open person. Um, but I was not expecting this much, in on the Twitter feed. I wasn't expecting this much like boom, 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 you know, as we are talking, doing this podcast, there's been like several phone calls I've ignored, <laughs> but I just wasn't expecting this. Sure. So, um, but yeah, so it's, uh, it's, yeah, but I'm, yeah. It's tough, isn't it? It's horrible, I think. I mean, I, I was in a similar situation where I know in church that they had someone looking for, to, to join the, the, the team who is now on team, but, um, the kickback that came from a few people to say, well, wh will they fit well in this, in this very white church? And I was like, why is that you to decide? And why is that your thought? <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, if people are going for roles, then they want to be there. But the thing, uh, the thing with the, I mean, it's this thing that I think is strange, sorry to cut you off. No, no, don't worry. That it's the, the opposite question is never asked. <laughs> That's what's difficult. So, you know, if I would became the incumbent at Christchurch Chelsea, which is, you know, 
predominantly um, white area of London, people were like, ooh, can you, can that work? But no one has a problem being at, you know, St. Peter's Brixton, being a white man. Um, and I find that I, prob- I find that very problematic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and you know, and through this whole process, several people who a lot of people didn't get ordained um, went through the process. People literally said, "Well, you're, I don't know if you should go through discernment because this is gonna be, you're going to be very limited to what parishes you can work in because you're Indian mm. or you're Pakistani." And it's like I don't why why that's just that, I find that very strange. Yeah, because oh, that means only middle class white men are deployable to everywhere. Mm-hmm. This country isn't that. Yeah, it's just it's you know I think what God cares about is people who love people and want to serve them faithfully. It's like you know obviously the sacraments and you know obviously those are important as well, but that's what God calls people to do. Um, you know, interesting. Yeah. So how, <clears throat> I, I, you know, I, I've been doing research on this and I've been trying to work it out, but how, in your opinion, how do you think we start to tackle this, these, these kinds of assumptions in the church? And yes, in the Anglican church, but in the wider body as well. Mm. I think, so one thing that I think having honest conversations that say, and you can say, and what I really appreciate people go, I am sorry. I'm going to say, like, I want to talk to you. I might say things wrong. (laughs) And I think people are quite forgiving. (laughs) I think people are generally quite forgiving. Being like, I'm going to say things wrong. I don't know what to say. Can I just say it? Can I just whatever? Um, And I think that in asking questions, I think that's completely fine. Um, When I I came to my, um, when I came to my um, uh, theological college, the, um, the uh, one person on staff when she interviewed me, she said, um, how do you feel about coming to Durham? And it's pretty, it's an all white place. Hmm. But how do you, like, how do you feel like that can d- deal with it? And what, and she's, she phrased in the way, she's a wordsmith, she's amazing, Kate Bruce is. Um, she phrased in the way of saying, this, is, this might be really quite different. How do you feel about like coming here? So hmm. she didn't, she didn't assume anything. She just came and I said, you know, um, Actually, like my parents, are, I'm adopted. My parents are white, so it's 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 not that weird. Um, also, I just moved from Dorset in Sweden, so it's, you know, they're not really known for their multiculturalism. So, um, so I, so it's it's fine. And I think so. I think make again, like I said, making space for conversation and being like, it's okay if I'm wrong. I get people's concern, but I think it's an issue with assuming things, because actually, most black and African minority people that live in this country are in white majority places all the time <laughs> so it's weird to say oh they might not fit or culture in there like well they they've always like this is this is just their life mm. <laughs> like, they, 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 like i don't i don't see why that is and if if you if you say so for instance the email said that you might feel uncomfortable i actually never had a phone conversation with the person yeah. who wrote the email um He's making assumptions about what I feel comfortable with. And, and if that is a, and the other way of reading the email is if what he's saying is people in the congregation won't feel comfortable with me being there, 
then that's a massive discipleship issue that the vicar needs to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. actually, if that's the case, that congregation doesn't need a cure point blank. <laughs> yeah. Because the, I don't know, I don't know how they can receive. Sorry, this is just, I'm sorry, I'm so Anglican. I don't know how they can receive <laughs> the, the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. How do they, how can they receive the Eucharist of Jesus Christ that breaks down barriers, this broken brown body on the cross <laughs> who did not speak English, who's from a poor family that had to travel because they were, they were dealing with persecution. How do they say he's savior and eat his body and drink his blood and then raise their other hand and deny someone else yeah you cannot do both you cannot you have to have, be open-handed with both hands to the cross of jesus christ and not one hand to receive and another hand to to um to stop someone else from coming in mm. it's an open invitation for all those people who say i am a sinner i repent of my sins and i want to know jesus mm. you know the eucharist is an altar call every week <laughs> yeah it's, it's like, I repent and I want to come to Jesus. And that Jesus is this jazzy, fresh, amazing, loving friend. But also this Jesus that is also judge that says, actually, you need to stop what you're doing because oppression and injustices is not in my kingdom. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to be kingdom disciples. Sorry, yeah. that was a sermon. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. It's good. Yeah, it's all too often. Like I, think, I can't remember the age when I decided that actually, that I began to realize and wrestle with the fact that white Jesus isn't a thing. <laughs> you know, like it's those moments where you start to reflect on the life, the actual life of Jesus, and you go, "Oh, he was a man from the Middle East. He mm. didn't speak English, despite our English translation of the Bible, which is extremely limiting. There's a whole different other thing." Yeah, he was probably just five foot four or whatever like probably quite a small man not anything too interesting about him and and here i am picturing him as like sort of daniel craig ripped to the like Mm. with six pack and six foot four and blonde and powerful and i'm like that's not my jesus (laughs) that can't be my jesus because that is that is years and years of oppression uh forcing an image of uh, of an incorrect um, depiction of, of our saviour and it is so broken for us to be like, to to see Jesus in <laughs> as often as he is depicted in the movies oh it's it's shocking um and I think I, I'm thankful for my um for my uh the people that encouraged me to think deeper um and I want everyone to be able to do this and I think we need we do need better education on 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 black theology generally, especially in theological colleges. Um, we need to hear about uh, the, the church's involvement in the slave industry. Yeah. Uh, and the brutality there. We need to learn about that because it is a huge part of our church doctrine. Um, and yeah. has influenced and, and, and again, there, there are documents that, and I obviously speak for, you know, sorry, the Church of England again, the majority church, <laughs> is, you know, they obviously had, like after the slave trade, they still own like colonies and yeah. like and like plantations and things like that, and like especially in the Caribbean and stuff like that, and prop, like got money from that. It's yeah. not 
we know as Christians, the most simple, the most, you can be the most progressive and the most conservative. We know in principle, saying sorry is not good enough. You have to do things about it. So for some reason, we have an issue. If you've wronged me, Rob, and, I, and, I, I, and you say, I'm really sorry, I'm going to change, I'm going to repent, and I'm going to have actually restitution um, yeah. is, is a whole other thing. But we have a really big problem with when it's more than one person. We yeah. have a really big problem with it. Even though it's weird because in the Old Testament, God continues to use um, continue to use the the people of Israel as a group, as a group of people over and over and over and over. And you know, this is it's a cycle, obviously, as you know, is they're in a promised land, they're in relationship with God, they 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 sin, they get into idolatry, God punishes them. They come back to God and it's a cycle over and over. That's pretty much the whole Holy Old Testament, the cycle over and over and over. So, um, so yeah, so it's, um, and so it's fascinating. And I think, um, and I think we need to, we need to learn from the people of Israel and the, and yeah. the Hebrew scriptures. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree. Um, big question for you, right? Uh, I really want to know what your hope is for the future. Long term, short term medium term yeah. like what are you uh, this has been a lot of people's questions um which is like what okay this is important we're talking about this but what is what needs to change what are the things that need to change what can we be hopeful for so yeah because we know that like, change is coming or can come or can happen yeah cornell west one of my another one of my favorite historian theologians um he says I am not an optimist, but I'm a prisoner of hope. Hmm. And so I'm a prisoner of hope. I believe that throughout the gospel of Jesus Christ, people can change and transform nations and transform hearts. So my hope is, realistic hope, is that as a church, we do not just say sorry, but we repent. We see our brothers and sisters. We say, you know, why can't we join with this other this other congregation and say, can we learn to worship like you? And, 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 and start to see a vision of revelation of every tribe, every nation coming together to worship. I will easily say it won't be, Kevin will not be an eight o'clock BCP service an 11 o'clock family service, all day service, and then a 6 p.m. kind of like all vibrant charismatic service. It won't be like that. You know, it probably, it might look more like Heathrow Airport than it does your local village. <laughs> you know, it might, it, it might be. And I think yeah. let's start living kingdom now. We live already not yet unless we, God has seen, we see this vision of the kingdom of all these beautiful black and brown and white and every color on the rainbow children of God under heaven worshiping. We see that vision in Revelation, John's vision. Let's live it now. Let's learn from each other. I think this is a really great practice ground. Um, and Jesus is our tutor <laughs> about how do, we, how do we do this? And this is not talking about some secular multiculturalism. Um, it's, it's, I'm talking about. I'm just talking about biblical, Christian, radical, inclusive 
vision that God gives us in his, in his word. Um, I don't know what we can do as a society. I will say that, but as you know, a budding missiologist, I'm trying to be um, in theologian. It's that is what the church is called to do. And we are on, we can only do what the revelation of the Holy spirit through creativity, through our knowledge of the minds that God gave, given us, reason, experience, and tradition to transform lives. And that's what we have to continue to have to continue to do it. So mm-hmm. I think um, it's been really, it's been really, really amazing um, to try to think what the church can be. And, um, and that it is. And, and if you're, if you are, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, Augustine, I'm from a village in Hereford. Uh, and like, I go to a small little independent church with about a hundred people and there's no one in our area that is anything but historical Anglo-Saxon. Oh, we might have like a German lady um, who came 20 years ago. That's okay. I'm not saying you need to have uh, like a racially diverse church. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that if you live in a racially diverse area, you probably should have a racially diverse church. But what I'm saying is, how do you then go in solidarity? And that looks differently for everyone else. But what disciples don't have the choice of doing nothing. They don't have that choice. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for that. Thank you. <laughs> and, and I'm pleased that you are hopeful. Um, it's something I think, yeah. Uh, it's something that I've been trying really hard to hold on to. And, and, and my hope is that there will be change. Mm. My hope is that, that, that there will always be change. Mm. Um, and this might be a catalyst. And unfortunately, like this is the, the, the realness of it is that it might be two or three years from now that we start to see some of the shoots of this grow up. Because at the yeah. moment, what we're campaigning for is for our, you know, our, our, not necessarily our kids, um, but like <clears throat> the children of our, of our world who are seeing this and are going, yeah, my life matters. And it's important that my life matters. So I'm not ever going to stand for systematic oppression if I see it in my life. You know, it's Pride Month this month. And for all those yes. people from, who, from, uh, who are not straight <laughs> and are people of colour, they're having a horrible time. And, you know, and I, you know, and I, you know, I would put myself in that category. I'm uh, an LGBT um, person um, of colour. And... Mm-hmm. Um, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> that's a whole nother yeah, thing. we'll bring um, we'll bring you back. <laughs> yeah, and um, it's uh, because I think um, something something I also have done slightly is I'll also have um, challenged LGBT people mm. with don't think just because you're LGBT that you're exempt from white privilege, um, and um, and you know, a black trans woman is what sparked the LGBT movement in America. Mm. Marshawn Johnson, she sparked this amazing movement, this trans black women. And in the US, trans black women are the number one people who are killed amongst LGBT people over and over. Um, Being black being lgbt being a christian is incredibly difficult Uh. um 
for many people, for being people, person of color. Um, and I think that is a massive struggle that you have to continue to understand your identity over and over and over and over again. And whatever circle you're in, someone's probably not gonna like you by part of your identity. Um, and that's really, really hard. And you just have to continue to say, I'm a child of God. Mm. I'm infused by the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, and I'm loved. Um, and you have to continue to say that every single day. Mm. Otherwise, you will go into a pit of, um, of anxiety and depression, I believe. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. <clears throat> um, and it's something that you know many of our members are... Um, members of the lbcqi plus community and mm. it's, i think it's important that we like people that understand oppression even a little bit need to join together and you know be a really powerful voice because actually Absolutely. actually like if you look at the uh all the minorities and i'm using air quotes for that are actually mm -hmm. the majority <laughs> it's mm. just because white folks have been flinging their power around for the years and years and mm. it's, it's you know but we're not we are not global majority heritage <laughs> um and it's about time people recognize that yeah anyway, absolutely. i want to talk about um something that we were originally going to talk about and that's um, <laughs> before everything happened but this is more important but this is also important is that you've got theology slam um yes coming up on tuesday the 23rd of june um, yeah. It's going to be online mm -hmm. on YouTube on, on 7 p.m. And, and Theology Slams uh, started, I think it was last year. And I was quite encouraged by Theology Slam last year because it had three women at the center of it. And I was yeah, like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Great. Now, this year, we've got also SCM member Molly Boot involved. Yeah. And we've got mm -hmm. Molly's just great. And, um, and so, like, I was like, oh here's some good stuff because I knew there's these, these people that I love and I knew, I knew that there were some people that knew you and you were getting involved. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, Ooh, I'm excited about what Sam's going to bring as well. Yeah. It's just exciting. Yeah. Exactly. Theology of, dis of disability. It was, yeah. It's super, really cool. Yeah. And for me, we are, and for us at SEM, we were really encouraged to see that the, the three topics being spoken about were three things that we're really excited about and three things that we mm. think are really important from from you sam and molly and we were just like um really encouraged so how's preparation going for it like I know, yeah it was meant to happen in march right so. <laughs> um so i'll be honest i you know it's a um i'm so i, I i'm really actually excited about it um and actually weirdly i'm sort of bummed i don't get to do it in front of a live audience but also sort of happy um sure. in the same way um but um yeah, because I might go over time if I don't have a lot of my audience. Um, it feels really weird, I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, I'm obviously in the middle of my master's. I was going to be ordained, um, but not anymore, um, which is sad, but that's, that's what it is. Um, and, um, and obviously, you know, going through all this stuff. So it, it, used to, it was like top priority, and now it kind of went down to like number seven. Um, but I am really excited about it. I'm really excited to, to, um, to say what I have to say in a theological point of view. Um, I'm, ex I'm excited to join Sam and, and, and Molly as well um, and, and learn as well. I think it's really important. Um, I'm, a, I'm a survivor of abuse. 
um, and um, I have some disabilities as well. So I'm just like, yes, come on, more Lord, let me learn. Everyone's um, a winner. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so yeah, so I'm, so I'm excited. And I would say that um, because of some of the um, experience I've had in the church and in, in, in England, I would say the church in England as well as um, experienced quite a lot of abuse um, from different, different kinds of abuse. And I went to repair therapy in the UK um, and that was incredibly difficult, incredibly damaging. Um, uh, um, I struggled with, you know, we talked a little bit about dyslexia, dyspraxia, that type of stuff and writing and other things as, as well. So, um, so yeah, so I'm, so I, I experienced all that stuff and it's really good to like put this out there and have people listen. And my, my, my prayer and hope, um, regardless of who wins, is that people would come go home wanting to change their life yeah, um, and wanting to be like, oh, I didn't know about that. Um, and actually because it's live, um, different platforms, well, it was going to be live anyway, but because it's all going to be live, I think it might be more people that will reach. Um, yeah. So that's, um, so that's exciting. And you don't have to, you don't have to get down to London because London's not the center of the world. It's a great city, but it's not the center of the world. And you can just put on your, um, put on a kettle and lay in bed and watch so <laughs> but yeah no i'm really excited for it we're 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 definitely going to be making sure we talk about it and advertise it um, in scm circles um because yeah <clears throat> they're, they're three extremely important theologies that we need to wrestle with and they haven't been wrestled with enough um and so yeah i'm i'm stoked for it we'll be supporting you from the live stream um we might even, you know, we'll we'll look to see if we can do a watch party with the SCM members. Um, that would be that would be that would be cool. <clears throat> so we'll 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 see if we can do that. Um, so reminder again, everyone, that's Tuesday, the twenty third of June. It'll be on the YouTube. It's probably the Theology Slam channel, um, and it's at seven pm. So get that in your diaries, um, and then you can be in the comments, the YouTube comments, supporting Augustine and Molly and Sam. Um, mm. In, it doesn't matter who wins for us. It's like actually, yeah, these, yeah. Things are being, <laughs> these things are being spoken about um, and declared uh, from from the platform that uh, that you're having. So, good luck and with the preparation. I'm sure that there'll be some things in recent lights that might actually be changing your your, your talk a little bit, maybe. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, I, I have a feeling that yeah, your talk from. For 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 Gene will be probably very different to the talk that you were going to give him. Mate, it was it's so different. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. We're all. There, I think I'm way more them. passionate as well because I was like, oh, because I'm like, oh, great. Because people are probably going to be like, um, oh, here, because oh. you know, people are like, oh, race, and people are like, yeah, I want to hear this because that because I, you know, whatever. So it's yeah, <laughs> yeah, as you. Um, so we're nearly done. So you we be able to go for lunch soon. Um, but the. the a couple of things to finish. Uh, we asked this to all of our guests because, um, but we would love to know if there are any books or recommendations that you would like to give us as um, SEM members or anyone else who's listening, maybe around your topic of theology and race because you are, yeah. that's your speciality, that's what you're looking into. Yeah. And um, if you're a theology slam, but anything, or like if there's just a book that you read and you like it, plug it. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. I think. Um, I'm, I'm forget, I can't forget the remember the author's name, but White Fragility, um, Fragility, um, is really really good. I would say we need obviously we need to talk about race by Ben Lindsay. It's really good because it's in a UK it's in UK context, and it would be um, talking to people who are from um, who go to white majority churches, but um, there are um, black and minority people in them. Um, while I'm no longer talking to white people about race, 
why um Eddie uh I forgot her name. This is really terrible. I forgive but why we know we're only talking about um race. Um and um probably my, my, a, a, dear, a dear friend, a dear friend. This is his book. So that's so I'm a little um uh biased. But it just came out and it was it's really funny because I've been on this launch team for like eight months for his book to come out and it came out in the middle of this thing so it's like and now it's like trending because it's like it, it wasn't like planned it's just i think it's just a god thing and it's yeah. called um it's from cheap cheap diversity um to solidarity and it's about how white church leaders um can um be in solidarity with their black and minority friends um and how to do church and stuff like that and it's coming from a white male perspective which um i think is really good for those who are skeptics mm-hmm. um, about any of this stuff yeah um so if you i mean i'm assuming if you're listening to this you're probably not going to be a massive skeptic but if you go to a church whatever this would be a really good summer gift for your for your <laughs> for your vicar or well, your presence. leader or pastor or minister um because it is i think it's it's coming from a a person who is white male talking about how to do this and his is understanding because sometimes i think when black and minority people talk about race people tune out because they're like well it's about you rather than this is why i've experienced this is why i've been in solidarity with other people mm-hmm. so yeah great thank you very much um and where can people find you if they want to find you if they want to message you if they want to yeah tweet you. yeah they can, they i mean can. you're inundated at the moment but yeah yeah <laughs> Your voice um, is important. Yeah, yeah, they can, they can, they can tweet. They can, you know, um, I'm trying to, I'm doing the Twitter thing, but um, just obviously, and I'm, I'm nothing, nothing too crazy. Just obviously, and I'm, and also, um, I'm on Instagram as well. Um, obviously, and I'm. So yeah, great, marvelous. Um, so we're going to finish there, and um, I'm going to sign off, but I'm going to let the last voice that you hear on this podcast be Augustine's. Um, so, and and he's going to pray for us as we leave. Um, so. But you've been listening to the Student Christian Movement podcast. We've been reflecting on justice, identity and discipleship since 1889. And you can follow us on the student, at Student Christian Movement on Instagram and on Twitter at SCM Britain. So don't forget to catch up on all the previous podcasts. Um, because recently we've been posting a lot of helpful resources uh, that will be really be helpful for your personal education on race and anything like that. And... Augustine, I would love it if you could pray for us as we go. Absolutely. Holy God, eternal Christ, and all-consuming spirit, we love you, we adore you, we worship you. And Lord, in a time of unrest, of worry, anxiety, of a lot of emotional labor, we come to you and the whole company of heaven and all the saints together. And we give you praise and thanksgiving, even in the difficult storms that we live in. Lord, we pray. We pray the same prayer that you prayed. They said that may the Father and I be one as you are one. And Father, we pray that we would be unified not under a name of a church, not under an ethnic group or even a language. But we pray that the unifying, beautiful, transforming spirit of God would be with us now and forever. Amen.